Welcome to Genesis Gathering. I'm here with one of my favorite humans, Mama Nina. Uh, so, uh, we do. We're just going to do the question. Yeah, we. Well, I'm. I'm ready to go ahead with 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 what the question is. Okay. Yeah. We'll see if what people think about it. Okay. So we're going to start with um, a question, an engagement question, as we usually do. Um, and I, in case you don't know me, I'm Matt. Everyone here knows me. Uh, so the question for today is this. Um, when it comes to spiritual beliefs, what worries you? Wow. When it comes to spiritual beliefs, what things do you worry about? Wow. That's interesting. I've been listening to some, I've been listening to books lately instead of reading paper books. And, and they bring up lots of questions that I have not thought about for 40 years even though sitting under teaching and even doing teaching and coming to see that there were scriptures that I had just kind of overlooked. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see what other people have yeah, and you can ideas text this, about. Text this to, um, I don't know, the, I don't remember the number. Okay, you can text at seven, I know the number. Yeah, she knows the number. It's this number. one right here, 720-878-3323. Or if you're online at our website, go to the chat window and just chat with us with your, with your ideas to the answer that question. So that question again is when it comes to your spiritual beliefs, what worries, what worries you? Anybody here have something that you comes to mind? Do you have something music? Okay. Okay, I'm gonna... Does she have something? Do you have a question? Okay, music does not have a question. How about you, Grandma? <laughs> okay. <laughs> or an answer. Anything? What worries you in your spiritual beliefs? That can be a pretty deep question, or it could even just be hell worries people. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> what about hell? Yeah, and this could be anything. Uh, really, um, this, was a, this was a really difficult sermon to create, and uh, uh, just wrestling with a lot of stuff all week. And uh, I think it's, it's really important to be vulnerable and just be able to say, I have... I have concerns, you know, there are things that concern me. So. It's like, what about, what about the God who in the Old Testament, it appears that he killed people in wars. Is he doing that today? And uh, yeah, there's that story about the Holy Spirit striking someone dead. <gasps> yes, an axe. Yeah, two people in fact. Yeah, yeah, so. uh, whose names at the moment escape me. But the two people who, but the Holy Spirit, you know, it, it, and it talks Ananias about that they lie. No, Ananias and Sapphira were the good ones, right? Were an, or no, that's, those are the people. Those that, are the people. They okay. held back a portion. They lied to the Holy Spirit. And they lied to the Holy Spirit and fell over dead. What about that? How does, how does that fit in your spiritual beliefs? How does, yes, exactly. <laughs> Could it happen to me? <laughs> Is that my reason for not lying <laughs> or not holding something back? Because I'm afraid that might happen to me. All right. <laughs> okay, here's one comment, uh, a spiritual belief that um, worries Lewis. It doesn't, trans it doesn't translate 
to worldly day-to-day things. So he's worried that perhaps it doesn't translate, or does it translate to our day-to-day things? Yeah, so kind of like, I believe this. Mm -hmm. When I go to church, this is what I talk about. But what does that mean about... When I go to work tomorrow. Right, and I'm... Or when I'm arguing with my wife. Our, of course, we know Lewis never argues with his uh, wife. But operating <laughs> right, a webinar <Carol? laughs> or attending a class, yeah. Anything else? Okay. I'm going to hand this to you if you put a question. Okay. So I was watching the video, and it shows this holy Jesus, this just so holy, you know, and and... Always in the past, it was kind of hard to relate to that. I mean, you don't see that in this world. But then I've been watching The Chosen, and when I see The Chosen, I see this Jesus that's laughing and joking and reaching out and being real and crying and playing with children. And I think, oh, now that's a Jesus that I can believe in. You know what I mean? And so it kind of has changed, in a way, my my spiritual belief from this holy, untouchable, beyond my reach Jesus to a personal Jesus that really is human, that was human, and is God too. Wow, that's, that's really good. So, you know, that untouchable, separated, can't quite touch him Jesus to the, wait a minute, he's one of us. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, think that's, I think that's true for a lot of people. Okay, here's one that, uh, do I measure up spiritually, or maybe I might say it this way, do I measure up spiritually enough that God approves of me? That's big. That's big for a lot of people. Okay, anything else? Yes. Oh, please ask. If you wait long enough. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you have to wait like two weeks for me, right, Matt? (laughs) (laughs) Um... That am I thinking about my spiritual beliefs enough? Am I um, thinking about the Bible and God and what I believe in my relationship with God enough or um, forgetting to think about those things or kind of ignoring that part of myself? Mm-hmm. That's really good. That's really good. Am I, doing, am I doing enough? Am I thinking about it? Am I re- so that might translate also into am I reading my Bible enough? Am I praying enough? All of those practices that seem to prove, yes, I am spiritual. I am, I am okay. And, and then, you know, if you get into that, then you have to ask, well, how much actually would that be? Was it, did it say that David prayed morning, noon, and night? Or was it just every morning? I don't know. I can't remember at the moment. So how much is enough? You know, the disciples, can't you just pray with me one hour? Jesus asked them. So do we have to pray for an hour at every time we pray? In order for it to be enough, you know? So even how do we, we measure that? Yeah. How, do, how do I measure if I've done enough? Well, all right. Anything else? Anyone else in here? Let's just repeat the question. Oh, here we have Ralph. My worry is that we miss it all. I know that there still is grace, but would we not miss much of what is possible. My, like that. my worry is that we miss it all. That, that's, ooh. That there's so much more mm-hmm. that we're missing. 
that there's so much more that we're missing. Wow. I, I really like that, Ralph. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And I, it's one of the, you look at Jesus, I, I think this was kind of uh, what Cindy was, was referring to. You look, you look at the life of Jesus and Jesus was like doing miracles. And then he said things like, you will do greater things than me if you believe, if you have faith in your yeah. life. Oh, man. I'm not doing greater things than Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we really missed it, right? Most of us. Right? Yeah, and, and, and that's a really, a really legitimate concern. Uh, like, you will do greater things than me. Uh, and um, I don't feel that. So. And, of course, we put our interpretation like onto what does that mean. Right. Yeah, the, the, you know, we've made this. So any, let me see if there's anybody else here. Anybody else out here? One more time, when it comes to your spiritual beliefs, what worries you? Anybody? Okay, I'm checking one more time. I think it's it. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. All right, well, I mentioned this was a, this was a tough sermon to, to build. Uh, I struggled all week. I knew what I wanted to say, but uh, in the saying, there is so much uncertainty and um, and frankly, fear. Uh, so the title of this uh, sermon is The Fear of Being Wrong. What if I'm wrong? And what if I'm kind of right, but like Ralph said, I'm missing a huge piece because I haven't done any miracles, never walked on water, <laughs> never turned fish into, or rocks into fish, or I never multiplied um, fish and, and loaves of bread. And to me, there's, if you're not just a little bit concerned about your spiritual beliefs, then maybe you've gotten a little too comfortable. Um, now you can tell why this is hard for me. <laughs> uh, so to start off with, um, I want to talk about what I believe. Uh, and Jeff's uh, Easter service got me thinking about the filter. He had that filter, waving it around up here, and told that really great story about the furnace and how much it cost him. And uh, I think that kind of goes to what Ralph was saying, too. Like, what's your filter and what are you missing? Or what are you not letting through? And when I, look, when I think about my filter, my filter has changed in the last five years. But it's also changed probably every single year of my life. I, I don't believe now what I believed 30 years ago. I don't believe, and 20 years ago, I didn't believe what I believed 30 years ago. Every, every 10 years, I could very clearly look back and just say, I believed that, and I don't think it was right. I feel like I was wrong. I was misguided. And so we tend, in, we tend to have this, this concept of like pulling in what we believe, becoming certain of it, and then moving on. And like Lisa said, like not really paying attention to it. Just my concern is maybe that I don't think about it enough. I don't dig in enough. I don't really get into those moments where I ponder what might be. Uh, and I think that fear keeps us there. The fear of being wrong, it keeps us in that place where we are. It keeps us from growing. And so today, 
I want to just talk a little bit about some of the things that I've experienced in my journey in the, over the last five years. Now, first I'm going to start with what I do currently believe. Um, I believe, this, this goes way back quite a few years, Adam exposed the world to the understanding of good and evil, therefore introducing the concept of guilt. God gave us the law as a way to live without guilt, but the law is an impossible standard for humans. Jesus came to fulfill the law so that humanity no longer had to worry about sin, and we are now free to have a relationship with the living God with, without any shame, without any strings attached. That thing about Jesus introducing the law, or I mean God introducing the law through Moses, uh, there's a verse in, in Romans, and I'm going to be talking a lot about Romans today. I read the entire book of Romans this week, and that's, that's a lot of the fuel for what's going on in this sermon, also a lot of the, di- the reason for the difficulty in writing it. Uh, Romans 8, 12, I don't have a slide for this, but um, it says this, um, it actually goes through, through 14. Because this, just as one man sinned, uh, just, as, just through, as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through the sin, so death went through all people because all sinned. Until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not charged to the account because there was no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Over the ones, uh, let's see, even over the ones not having sinned in the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is patterned of the one to come. So this is something that that really never occurred to me um, until Moses came down with the tablets. You've seen the the movie, and you may also have seen the spoof of the movie where he drops one of the tablets. What is that, a Mel Mel, Mel Gibson movie? Uh, Mel Brooks movie, I think. Um, Anyway, so he brings down the tablets, and here's the law, right? And, And beyond that... The entire book of Leviticus is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws. Um, And before that, people were not kind to each other. People murdered and stole, and people coveted, and people did all these things. They just didn't, it was never quantified. It was never qualified as sin. And so, when the law came, all of a sudden there was this awareness of, of, okay, that's right and that's wrong. I should do this and I shouldn't do that. And it was a way to live guilt-free because previously death reigned over the earth. People did kind of whatever they want. There wasn't a reason to do right or wrong because there was no definition of what was right and what was wrong. And so when the law was introduced, it was God's mercy. It was God giving a way for people to live rightly and to live without guilt because if you could live within the law. The problem is the law is impossible. So um, we all have a filter and, and we use the filter to interpret the Bible. And, and not just the Bible, but as you mentioned just earlier, like other texts that we read as well. Um, I used to have a dramatically different filter. I can think back to high school and having a very, very, very concrete, uh, I was right, you were wrong filter. 
uh, and I think that's that's a pretty common thing, but um, when you're early in your Christianity is to just believe, oh, this is what it is, and if you are anything else, you're wrong. Um, and my filter was was very specific, and it was it came from the church that I went to, right? Because I didn't have enough understanding to go and read through the whole Bible and say, this, that, this, that. I don't know Greek. I don't know Latin. I don't know <laughs> Aramaic. Um, and so I had that filter, right? And And the filter that I have now is different than the one that I have five years ago. And even five years ago was, was much different than earlier in my life. And so I want to talk about some verses and how my filter, previous to the last five years and currently, would interpret these verses. So the first one is, lost my iPad here, Romans five eighteen and 19. And this is the English Standard Version as published in the UK. There's a different version in the UK. And it says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification for all men. For, by, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Was, was Paul writing this before or after the death of Christ, the burial, the resurrection of Christ? Was this before or after that? After that. And Jesus said, on the cross, it is finished. It's done. It's in the past. It's already complete. And so when I'm, when I'm reading this, this filter, uh, I used to see this filter as a justification for what I believed. I believed that Jesus died and he accomplished, he, he washed away our sins with his blood sacrifice and now it was our job to believe in Jesus, say a prayer, and then live rightly. Or what would happen if you didn't live rightly? You would lose your salvation. Okay, so I can look at this verse and say, yeah, that makes sense. My filter says, will be made righteous, right? Now, when we're looking at this also, you have the many. The many is referring to all mankind, right? And because in the verse just above it, it says, all mankind sinned because of Adam, all mankind made righteous because of Jesus. And so when we're saying the many, we're just talking about everybody, and here it says, the many will be made righteous. And so there's this, little, there's this little phrase, will be, that anybody can use to interpret to fit their filter, right? Now, there's another version here. This version is the Phillips version. Same verse. Adam's sin brought punishment to all, but Christ's righteousness makes all men right with God. So, they can, uh, so that they can live. Adam caused many to become sinners because he disobeyed God. Christ caused many to be made acceptable to God because he obeyed. Caused. The tense is different, right? Will be, that's the future. Caused, that's past tense. I like this version better. Okay? You know why? Because it fits my filter. 
How many of you have a Phillips version of the Bible, a Phillips translation on your, on your hearth at home? Anybody? Phillips translation next to the bed? Uh, in the bookcase. Jeff has a Phillips? Okay. So I don't. <laughs> but the cool thing is now, the internet, there are, uh, I can go to one, one website, and there are 64 different versions, and I can flip through the versions until I find something that fits my filter. And what does that do for me? Um, it allows me to continue believing one way without ever questioning that, without ever digging in further and saying, why do I believe this? Now, I already told you what I believed at the beginning, and that's true, and that's what I believe today. But Nina last week said that she has... I can't remember the exact uh, quote, but it was, um, I don't even know what to believe when I'm reading the Bible now. And this week, I think that number one, incredible, incredible humility and also confidence in your relationship with God that you can say that in front of the church. I'm not, I don't have confidence when I read the Bible because I read this and then I read that. And I feel the same way. This whole week, part of the problem with creating this sermon is every time I would start writing something, I would see this translation or I'd see that translation or I would be using this verse and I would say, but there's that other verse that says, right? And so in the back of my mind, this stuff is just bouncing around and I couldn't, I couldn't put it down on paper. I finished this at 12, 15 a.m. today. Uh, and then I had to write my, my outline after that this morning. So it was difficult. It was difficult. Um, and, and not because I have never read the Bible and not because I don't understand the, the truths of God and not because I haven't been a Christian my entire life. I have, as long as I can remember. But because you're meant to wrestle with it. God wants you to wrestle with it. If he wanted to tell you exactly what to believe and exactly what to do on a day-to-day -day basis, he would have just said it. Here it is. Like, like Moses with the tablets, there are 10. Do these things, right? The problem with that is now we're going backwards towards the law, right? So um, there was a lot of wrestling. Both filters were active. When I, was, when I was reading through Romans this week, both filters, I'm, I'm, list, I'm reading the same person, Paul, write things that seem very, very, very contradictory. Um, and I wanna, I wanna show some examples. There's a, of this verse here in Romans 11, 22. Romans 11, 22 says, note then the kindness and severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen but God's kindness towards you, provided, God's kindness towards you, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will be cut off. Oops. What happens to branches that get cut off? Well, Paul says in other places they go into the furnace. They're burned up, right? Any branch that isn't producing, it's cut off and thrown into the fire. And 
this verse here, this is one of many examples of something that doesn't necessarily align with what I believe. <laughs> and so I'm wrestling with this, right? Uh, I'm thinking about other verses, um, all of those, you know, you'll, if you're not producing fruit, you're gonna be cut off and thrown in the fire. What about the verse that says, God's gonna sh- separate the sheep from the goats? Goats on the right, or sheep on the right, goats on the left. Sheep, good job. You served me when I was starving, when I was naked, when I was poor. You helped me. When I was imprisoned, you visited me. Goats, eternal, pyre, uh, eternal fire and punishment that was prepared for the devil and his angels because you didn't serve my, you didn't serve me when I was hungry, naked, poor, imprisoned. And I think about that. Those are the actual words of Jesus. And I have to wrestle. And I mentioned at the beginning, um, the question was, do you have concerns when it comes to your spiritual beliefs? And I will be 100% vulnerable and say, I have a lot of concerns when it comes to my spiritual beliefs. Um, Later in this exact same chapter, Paul writes, he writes this, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Immediately seems like a contradiction to me. How can I be part of the tree of life? How can I be grafted into God's tree of life? But if I'm not producing fruit, he'll cut me off. And yet, seven verses later, I'm told in verse 29 that God's gift, free gift, as Paul says in many different places, free gift is irrevocable. And so I wrestle and I continue to wrestle. Uh, here's a verse uh, in Romans, Romans chapter 8. Uh, it says this. I'm convinced, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. One of the ones I want to highlight here is the future. The future. We have this idea that if we if we change, if we start sinning, if we, if we backslide, as I was taught, that we're going to be cut off from the tree, that we're going to be cut down if we're not producing fruit and thrown into the fire, that we have eternal damnation because we didn't do the things we were supposed to. Eternal conscious torment, as Jeff says. And I'm looking at this verse and it says, the future, the future can't separate you from the love of God. Whatever you do in the future cannot. And to me, that's pretty powerful. It, it, it's very, very specific. It's not, it's not wishy-washy, right? But also, three chapters later, Paul is telling you, if you don't remain in Christ, you'll be cut off from the tree. So, we're struggling, right? And... The next question that, that just like automatically comes into my mind is, 
Is scripture trustworthy? Can I trust the scripture? I already mentioned I can find whatever, ver- whatever, uh, <laughs> whatever translation suits my fancy, right? Oftentimes we'll run to uh, the, the message because it's written in everything is cool <laughs> language, right? And so God can't be angry if everything's cool in the message. Um, or if, if it doesn't match, you'll go find another verse that does match. And when I think about the Bible, and we, I, was, I was raised in a few different Bible churches, and, and the, the message that we were taught was always the Bible is the infallible word of God. And I'm not here to debate what the Bible is uh, or is not and whether God breathed it, whether God inspired it. But what I do know is that there are Bibles translated into 1,500 different languages over a period, if you're including the Torah, of at least 5,000 years, and hundreds of thousands of people translating them. Different time periods, different cultures, different context, different governments, different struggles. And so when I, when I look to the Bible, can I look at one verse and say, I'm gonna base everything on this? Can I look at another verse and base everything on this. Well, guess what? A lot of religions have, a lot of cults have. They pick one verse. I actually was part of a gathering. It was fairly informal, but it was a nationwide group. And they used the verse in Hebrews that says, if you continue sinning, there will be no more sacrifice. There will be no more grace for you. And they were of the opinion that you had to stop sinning 100%. 100%. You could not sin even once because Christ already did his job and now it's your job. One verse. And they ignored the rest of them. Like this one right here. Um, so, Jeff's used, Jeff used this, uh, this quote, uh, I, I believe it was last week. And the quote is, your descent into doubt could ultimately lead you upward. And I have to say, this week, a lot of doubt, because I'm digging, right? But God isn't afraid of your doubt. He's not afraid for you to dig. He's not hiding things from you. He wants you to dig. He wants you to dig in and press in. And I used to think doubt was something that was bad. Um, in fact, I was taught that I was taught that doubt was a lack of faith. That if you had doubt, you couldn't be considered someone who was faithful because you have doubt. Um, but I believe this. I believe that the Bible is a tool that both challenges your filters and supports them. It's both, right? Because your filter isn't meant to stay the same. Your filter is meant to grow because you're, you're meant to grow. It's totally okay if your filter changes. In fact, I think it's healthy. When we're talking about 
you can understand why this is hard for me. When we're talking about religion, what you believe, your structure, your filter, whatever you want to call it, one of the things that's true is that it is easier, it is easier to follow rules than it is to trust a living, breathing relationship with an invisible being. It's easier to follow rules. We don't want, we don't want something that's ambiguous, something we can't see, something we can't feel. Um, and I want to tell you about a time I went through a divorce, and uh, it was easily the hardest time of my life. It was uh, very, very, very difficult. I was at rock bottom for sure. Uh, I, in three weeks, I lost 25 pounds from this frame like this. Uh, I was a skeleton, essentially. And just utter depression. I couldn't sleep. And I never felt so close to God in my entire life. I never was so sure of the being that is invisible in my entire life. Because when you're comfortable, if your filter is set and you're not worried about your beliefs, you're comfortable. But when your world gets rocked, you're uncomfortable. And you start looking and you start searching. And I think that's an incredible lesson for me that when I start to feel like I know everything, watch out. Um, because I don't think God reveals everything to everybody. If I know everything at this age, let's just call it quits. Let me just go to heaven right now. Uh, there's nothing else for me to do. We fear taking the wrong path and suffering the consequences because the consequences are fairly grave. We hear about eternal fire. We hear about being sent away from God forever because we didn't do the right things in life. Now, I'm all in support of, of serving other people. Big fan of it. But if you don't, if you don't do the right things, or if you do it just a little bit and it's not enough, uh, Lisa and I sponsor children through... Um, Compassion International. So we have children around the world that we sponsor. That's enough, right? That'll get me. That'll get me with the sheep, right? Wait, is it enough? Should I sponsor one more kid just to make sure I get in with the sheep? Oh, write the letters. I need to write more letters to the kids so that I can get in with the sheep. And you can you can see that how very quickly this could turn into legalism. It could very quickly turn into a prison of, I need to be serving other people all the time. I need to be going to the rescue mission. I need to be giving more money. I need to be doing this. When is it enough? When have you met the standard to be a sheep and not a goat? And you can see why rules and laws don't work for us. We need a relationship with the living God. So now what? Can you trust the Bible? I believe that God 
inspired the Bible. I believe that every person that wrote something into the Bible wrote in a piece of God, and I believe every scripture contains a piece of God. But it's not meant to be your filter. It's meant to inspire your filter. It's meant to motivate your filter. It's meant to change and challenge what you believe. So how do you go forward? If the Bible isn't a place that you can go to get all your answers, what should you do? Well, I would suggest an intimate relationship with Jesus is the path, is the path forward. And that seems, it seems so obvious, right? But when you cut away everything, all the rules and all the regulations, and you just say, I'm not going to do anything specific to be a Christian. I'm just going to follow Christ. I'm going to talk to him on a daily basis. I'm going to share my experience, my life, whether I'm frustrated, whether I'm happy, whether I'm grieving or depressed, or whether I'm on the mountaintop. I'm going to share that experience with Christ. And he works on the inside of you to change you. I've experienced this my entire life, right? I've never believed the right thing because all of the things I believed in the past are wrong, right? If I'm right now, I was wrong then. And if I'm, well, exactly. And so the only thing I can rely on is a relationship with Christ. It's the only thing that will push me forward. It's the only thing that gives me hope that I can be the person that he wants me to be. And for me, this is actually incredibly freeing because there's this fear of being wrong, but when I let go of all of that and I just say, just give me Jesus. I just want Jesus. Jesus takes care of all of that. Um, just a couple of things I wanna... That song that we sang, um, The Reckless Love of God, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down. I forgot the next words because I'm not singing it. God doesn't give up on you. God isn't satisfied with where you are. He wants to go deeper with you. It doesn't matter who you are. He wants to go deeper. And so to sit on one filter and say, I know what I believe and I don't have anything that I'm worried about. I want to challenge that. I want to ask you to dig in. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. And I want to close with just a couple of my favorite verses. The first one is uh, Micah 6.8. Micah 6.8 says... He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. It simplifies everything. It relieves the stress. I don't have to act a certain way. I don't have to be a certain person. I just have to love God, walk humbly with him, and be kind to people, right? This is a little similar to the next one. Uh, the next one is uh, probably even more familiar. 
Jesus said when they were, they were pressing him, what's the greatest commandment? They wanted to like pin him down and say, one, he said one thing is greater than the other. And he says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like it. Well, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. Simplify it, right? I'm reading through the Bible this week, one book, Romans, and I'm having all this stress. Am I doing this wrong? Am I wrong? Am I telling people the wrong thing? Am I leading people in the wrong way? And at the end of the day, even if I'm wrong, God uses that too. I'm gonna go ahead and just close in prayer. Is there anything else? Are we, we gonna, prayers and communion? Okay. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I may not get another one. (laughs) Uh, I thank you that you are not afraid of our doubt, that you're not afraid of our fears, our digging, our changing of our mind. You can handle it. In fact, you know why we're doing it. You authored our minds. You authored our DNA. You know exactly what makes us tick. So you are not afraid of our fear, our worry, our doubts. We want to thank you that you are interested in an ongoing intimate relationship with us that lasts as long as we live. We thank you that there is an infinite number of things that you can show us and teach us. And we thank you for allowing us the grace to come to you without guilt, to move forward with you guilt-free. We love you, Father. actually think that was wonderful and I actually think your sense of um, struggle was just a visual uh, illustration of exactly what you were talking about that's all it was (laughs) you you may feel like man I wasn't as articulate you know Matt's been a teacher he's and he's a presenter for the uh, state of Colorado and he makes presentations all the time, and so you probably didn't feel like your normal self, and yet it was perfect for what you were talking about. Struggling through, just like S- life. Struggling through, <laughs> struggling through with interpreting scripture, struggling through with what does all of this mean. Uh, I personally think your description at the end from, I believe it's, Ma- was it Malachi, where uh, the trust uh, lived justly, Okay, that that's exactly the point. Uh, and I had written in one of my comments here online that uh, I, think it, I think life is about love. It's not about being right. And, and yet we're in a world that demands us to be right. It makes a nice little neat box. You basically said this. At one, one of your points said, you know, we're much more comfortable if we have these nice, neat, I, I can check off these marks and I know I'm okay. But really, uh, then you're back to the law and all the things that aren't okay. 
So it's kind of one way or, or, or the other. So we live by grace. We live by love. We live by kindness. Do justly. And, um, and that's what it's all about. It's not about having everything in these nice, neat little boxes all the time. So Ralph made a comment. He made a lot of comments while you were ministering. And here was a, one of the ones I wanted to, uh, to read. And it, it expresses everything that you said as far as, oh, five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, and what about the future? And Ralph says, we don't have the level of awareness, consciousness, and ability to think complex to know everything or understand it. Not in this life. And so, you know, if we would just somehow come to some realization, we're just not going to understand everything. It's far more complex than we have the ability. And we can somehow accept that as being enough. As opposed to striving, striving, striving. Amen. Thank you, Matt. And don't go away. We're, we are ready now to have communion. And I, it, it was a great message. Thank, Thank you. you so much. <laughs> uh, if you like that one, come back next week for the Great Commission. For the Great Commission? All right. That's the title of next week? Yeah. All right. We'll be here. If Jeff lets me. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's going to. <laughs> if you have prepared your elements at home, uh, go ahead and get those. And here in the uh, sanctuary here, Jim's passing out elements for communion. Uh, I don't know if anyone has prayer requests. I haven't seen any in particular in this morning. And uh, if you do, please uh, feel free to send them right now to 720-878-3323. As far as announcements go, um, we don't have any particular uh, things coming up, as uh, we like to mention regarding your worship through your giving, that we do have the basket in the back here. If you're here locally and would like to give in that way, I'll, otherwise, of course, we, you can go online to our website or you can text to give. Could you open that one? Absolutely. If you can, these are. Yeah, you know what? I just found some a, new ones. You get a challenging. There, there we go. Yeah, there you go. I just okay, found so some new ones the, that I'm. We're gonna try. <laughs> that look like they're going to be a little less difficult. Well, as we partake of the bread and the cup today, um, which indicates the body and the relationship first with Jesus and with each other, I just, I just want to be grateful for the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ and that he puts all the pieces together. You know, if I have lunch, had lunch yesterday with Barb, you know, things come up that reveal Christ. You have a phone call or a text and things come up that reveal Christ to each of us, right? That's the body of Christ coming together in relationship. 
And that's really what all this is all about. So right now we do come to you, Jesus, and thank you for your body broken for us and your blood poured out for us, Lord Jesus, and in remembrance of you and all that you've done and in remembrance of our relationship with you, we partake now of the body and the cup. prayer requests that came in. Let me just check one more time to see if there's any others. Um, well, we have a few more great comments here. Um, let me see. Y'all want to hear Ralph's comments? He's such a good thinker. Being right is from the wrong tree in the garden. Why do we still cling to that tree when Jesus restored the tree of life to us, which is relational and love-based? Wow. Thank you, Ralph. Yes, excellent. By the way, he said, well done, Matt. What a mature message. <laughs> Thank you, Ralph. <laughs> Prayer requests from Lisa friends of ours who are having some marital struggles and could use the love of God and his wisdom. Well, Father, we do lift these, this couple up to you, and we pray that just your spirit of love would rise up in them, your spirit of forgiveness and understanding that they'd be able to clearly communicate and find the answers they need um, and, and, and be blessed in their marriage. And so, Father, I just will go ahead and we'll pray for all the marriages represented here at Genesis and online. We pray for all of these marriages, for your love, your heart of forgiveness, your heart of understanding to come. And this is, we've been talking about relationship and just bring together these relationships in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a prayer that we pray together, and it'll be up on the screen. Let's pray this one together. As soon as it's on the screen, we'll do that. Here we go. Everybody pray out loud with us, please. Lord, place us in the text of Scripture rather than the certainty of a constitution. Open our eyes to see the conversation, the story, the predicament, the spirit, and the incredible community of people who keep bumping into the living God. May we be a people who, even in the midst of experiencing setbacks, disappointment, and messiness, are best of all a people who are growing in trust of Jesus and one another. Cause us to see what you see, to feel what you feel about your church. Increase our faith that we can be part of making a difference, even starting anew. Amen and amen. Well, we love you all. Thank you for joining us by live stream. Thank you for coming in person and being a part of a body of believers. Y'all have a good week, and we'll see you next Sunday.